you would remain standing, our first scripture reading will come from the last book in the Bible, the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 21. We'll read from the 14th verse through to the 21st verse of that chapter, Revelation chapter 21, 14 through 21. This is a description of the New Jerusalem, the vision that John saw when he was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. God gave him this picture of heaven. Now, the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. The city is laid out as a square, its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, twelve thousand furlongs. Its length, breadth, and height are equal. Then he measured its walls, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of an angel. The construction of its wall was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysophes, the eleventh jocinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. Our text this morning will be from the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 13, just verses 45 and 46, where we have that short but powerful parable of the pearl of great price. The questions that Jesus is addressing in this chapter is, what is the kingdom of heaven like? It's described like a sower, like a mustard seed, like leaven. And here in our text today, the kingdom of heaven is described like beautiful pearls, or specifically, one pearl of great price. Matthew 13, verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. May the Lord sanctify us through his truth. His word is truth. You may be seated. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, as we have read your word, we ask now that you would make its meaning clear to us by your spirit working through the expounding of it. May it be faithful to your word. May it build up your saints. May it convict the sinner. May it lead all to the heavenly gates of the new Jerusalem, where Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Marie Antoinette was the Queen of France until the French Revolution. Shortly before she was captured by the revolutionaries, And before she died, she was able to smuggle out many of her jewels 
by friends to make them escape the hands of those that would seek her harm. One of the most valuable of those jewels was a pearl pendant. She was able to smuggle that out, and it survived the time that has elapsed since then. And in 2018, just a few years ago, Marie Antoinette's pearl pendant necklace sold for $36 million. And yet, this past week, you could buy a pearl necklace on Amazon for less than $200. What is it that would make one pearl necklace worth millions and another barely worth a couple hundred dollars? What makes a pearl valuable? This morning, God calls you and me to consider the queen of all gems, the pearl, and the merchant who found the pearl and bought it. We will consider our text today under two simple headings. First, the pearl, and then the merchant. Consider with me today the pearl. According to gemologists, and maybe some of you women know this far better than me, but they say that there are two things that make pearls very valuable. One has to do with the origin of the pearl. The second has to do with the attributes of the pearl. If the pearl came naturally from somewhere like the South Sea, far off, then it might be considered rare and valuable. But if it was cultured on an oyster farm in Kentucky, it might show up on Amazon and be less valuable. The pearl from the farthest region, with the most difficulty of obtaining, that's the pearl that will command the most valuable. But then there are the attributes. The larger the pearl, the more valuable. The larger, or the, the, symmet- the more symmetrical the pearl, the more valuable. How transparent is the pearl? Is it like glass, or is it cloudy? That will judge its value. How well does it reflect light? What is the luster of the pearl? Are there imperfections, scratches, dimples? What are the attributes of the pearl? In other words, the better the symmetry, the larger the size, the more transparent the color, the more beautiful, the more valuable that it will receive. The difference between a million-dollar pearl and a hundred-dollar pearl can be summed up in one word. Perfection. Perfection. The merchant in Matthew, he found such a perfect pearl. He didn't find many pearls. He found one pearl. He did not sell some of what he had. He sold everything he had, all in order to obtain that one perfect pearl. I want us to think about the perfection of the pearl today. What is it that made the pearl that he found so perfect? But in order to get to that, we must answer the question, what is the pearl that he found? And I don't want this to be a mystery to you. The pearl that the merchant found is nothing other than Jesus Christ and eternal life in him. Now, you might say, if you're listening carefully, that sounds like two things, but there's only one pearl. Which is it? Jesus Christ or eternal life in him? And the answer is yes. It's eternal life and Jesus Christ because you you cannot have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and not have eternal life. And you cannot have eternal life unless you have Jesus Christ. He said the same in his word 
In John 17, verse 3, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Or in 1 John chapter 5, and verse 11, And this is the record that God has given to us, eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that has the Son has life. He that has not the Son of God has not life. The pearl is Christ, crucified and risen, and eternal life that is ours in him. But let's look at the perfection of Christ, the perfection of this pearl, first by looking just like the gemologist might look at where did this pearl come from, what is its origin, we should ask ourselves, since Jesus is using the picture of the pearl, what is the origin of Jesus? Where did he come from? Why is he perfect? John 16 and verse 28, Jesus said, I came forth from my Father and have come into the world. John 8, 42, Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Or that well-beloved verse, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Look at the origin of Jesus Christ. Where did he come from? He's altogether unique. There's no one else that has come like he came. He came from his Father, where he had been with him before the foundation of the world. That's where he came from. Who is there like Christ in his origin? There is no other. There is none like him. He is the first, and he is the last, and before him there is no God. Jesus Christ is perfect in his origin. But we can say even more about Christ, the pearl of great price. We can say something of his attributes. What are the perfections of the attributes of Christ? Like the most expensive pearl is going to be free of all blemishes. It's going to reflect light well. It's going to be ideal in color. So the Lord, in all his ways, his words, his works, he is perfect in them all. He's perfect in his being, his wisdom, his power, his justice, his holiness, his goodness, his truth. Time would fail us to speak of God's perfect attributes. But if we are to embrace the one pearl of great price, even Jesus Christ, we must know something of the treasure that is Christ. We must know something of his attributes. And I want to pause here because if we if we think about Christ today and how so many think of Christ today, and many of our friends and loved ones and colleagues think of Christ, they, they have an idea of Jesus. They have the name of Jesus. But how many of them stop there or go very little further? Too many have a concept of Jesus in their minds, but they stop. They think they're best friends with Jesus, and he's best friends for them, and he's just going to make everything in their life good and perfect, and they stop. Too many know too little of Jesus Christ, the one pearl of great price. They do what so many did in Jesus' days. They consider him from afar. 
They look out and they say like the Jews said before as he went walking on the roads of Judea, is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? They look out afar and they see an ordinary man. They don't come close and examine the attributes of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many are in that position today? How many are holding on to one that they've never examined? We ought to examine the King of Glory. We must consider his great and glorious attributes that are revealed in his word. And look what the scripture tells us of the perfection of Jesus Christ. This is the God of the Christians, Jesus Christ. And here is what his word says concerning him. Moses spoke in Deuteronomy 32.4. He is the rock. His work is perfect. Job was told of God in chapter 37 and verse 16. Do you know how the clouds are balanced? Those wondrous works of him who is perfect in knowledge. David declares in the 18th Psalm in verse 30, As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. Again, the psalmist says in the 19th Psalm that the law of the Lord is perfect. Jesus speaks of the Father in Matthew 5. You shall be perfect just as your Father who is in heaven is perfect. The Apostle speaks of the Son in Hebrews 5 and verse 9. And having been perfected, he, speaking of Jesus, became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. And in Psalm 50, the psalmist declares, out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God will shine forth. What descriptions in Scripture for the God of glory, his way, his works, his deeds, they are perfect. He is perfect in all of them. We can observe the merchants in the kingdom of heaven today who have seen and examined the perfection of the pearl and they've taken hold of him. They are those who with the psalmist in the 27th Psalm in verse 4 confess this, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. What is your greatest desire of the Lord today? Is it for the treasures of the world? Are you following him because you think that by following him he'll make you wealthy? Is it for the pride of life that by following him he'll make you great? Or do you desire above all else to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of your life? To behold, to meditate on the beauty of the Lord who is beautiful above all else. Have you found him? Do you like the idea of the pearl? Or have you taken hold of the pearl by faith? Do you know of Jesus Christ? Or do you know Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior and the hope of your eternal life? I want to look at one other perfection of Christ. And that is his way of salvation. Let me bring us to this consideration. The 
the God of glory who is perfect in all his deeds, perfect in all his attributes, it must be then if he is perfect in all things that he must be perfect in his way of salvation. If there is any doubt in your mind today of whether or not Christ Jesus can save you and bring you to glory, look at his perfection. He who is perfect in wisdom, in truth, in power, in might, in all things, he is perfect in his way of salvation. You can trust him. You can rely on him. You can hope in him because he is perfect. Jesus famously said in John chapter 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. There is no way to heaven but through the Son. No way to the Father but through Christ. No way to heaven or justification, adoption, sanctification, or glorification but through the Savior, the one pearl of great price. For this reason, Jesus said in John 10, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and go in and out and find pasture. Compare this one way of salvation through Christ to the, the way of the merchants of the world who are selling salvation. There are many out there who are promising life, eternal life, and peace. Peace, when there is no peace, they will sell it to you for a price. Your soul is the price. What are they selling? They're selling the things of this world, the things that we lust after, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Those are the merchants of the world. They're selling cheap, fake pearls. And many people are going on that broad path, buying and eating them up, all on their way to destruction. But the 18th chapter of Revelation highlights the folly of this for us because there's a day coming when all these lies and deceits, all the things that the merchants of the world are selling, all those small, foolish, wasting away pearls where they're going. At that time, when the heavens are opened, when the Son of God, who is today seated on the throne, when he stands up, and when he comes down to earth, and the trumpets sound, and the angels shout, and the dead rise, on that day, all those merchants who are trying to sell even you today, the things of the world, them and their things are going to be destroyed. No one's going to buy them anymore. So in the 18th chapter, we read this. It's the words of those merchants. Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour, so great riches is come to nothing. Everything that the world has. First John chapter 2 says, the world is being destroyed. All that the world offers in one hour, all of it will vanish away. The things, the highest treasure, the most elaborate or ex the, the largest house, the fanciest car, the biggest bank account, whatever things are lofty and presented to us as pursuits worthy of our whole life, the best of our strength, our health, our families, all those things that are promised to us if we just forsake Christ and his word and follow them, all of those things in one hour will vanish away. They will surely perish. They are vanity. They do not help in the hour of need. But how many will go after them? Do not go after them. Follow Christ. 
Think about the way then that Christ saves. When Jesus saves, he doesn't save part way. He saves to the uttermost. His way of salvation is an abiding salvation. If one is saved today, they are saved all the way to glory. The work that he begins, he completes because he's perfect in power and might and salvation. And no one can pluck us from his hand. Our God is too great. Our God is too strong. No one can take us from him. Because on his cross, as Jesus died and his blood was shed, his blood was not poured out, as it were, on the mercy seat and on the people for some sin. His blood was being shed. His blood was poured out for all the sins of all of his children, even all who repent and believe on him. And how could God the Father reject the blood, the perfect blood of his Son? It's impossible. He didn't do it. He accepted it. He accepted the sacrifice of his Son And in Christ Jesus, we are made heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. He who has entered into the door has found the pearl of great price and thereby has found everything that he needs in this life or the life to come. There's a great strength that comes in that. Christians can bear through any trial, even the trial of death. Christians can suffer much hardship and they can do so rejoicing in the glory of God because that thing that is most valuable to them, even Christ Jesus in eternal life, cannot and will not be taken away no matter what befalls us. Is it any wonder then, as I'm sure you noticed when we were reading earlier in Revelation 21, with such a way, such a door to salvation, that in the great vision of Revelation... As John is looking at the foundations and the length, the height, the breadth of the city of Jerusalem, that's 10,000 furlongs long. That last of all, he comes to the 12 gates, the 12 doors, and each door is one pearl. There's the way into glory, the pearl of great price. There's the entrance into the door through him who calls himself, I am the door. The door is one pearl. The way into the kingdom of heaven is through the spotless Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. Have you tasted and seen something today of the perfection of the pearl? There's two potential responses that people make as they come face to face with the King of glory. One one response is like Pharaoh of old. He hardened his heart. He listened. He said he was going to follow, and then he hardened his heart and would not believe. If you're tempted to take these glorious things and walk out of here today and never think about them again or forsake them, mind you the parable of the sower, where the preacher spread the word. The sower went out to sow. Some of the seed fell on the wayside, and as soon as it fell there, the crows came and they ate up the seed. The devil wants to do this with the perfection of Christ today that you've heard. He wants that seed to be eaten up by the world and its lust so that you will walk out of these doors and not think about this ever again. That's what the devil wants. He wants you to harden your heart and the flesh is pulling you in the same way. You can't just blame the devil. There's temptation today to be thinking about sports things that you're missing today or or things that you want to do that you can't do while you're here. All of these things are going to pull your mind away from the perfection of the pearl of great price. That is Jesus Christ. Don't let that happen. Pray and ask God for help. 
Hold fast these truths and these scriptures that you're hearing today, that you would not be like Pharaoh who hardened his heart time and time again, and then it was too late. He went into the Red Sea. It came back over, and he drowned and was dead. It was too late. The time had come. His soul was required of him. Don't hear these words and go on your way without thinking of them. But there's another response, and that's like Paul, the apostle who in Philippians chapter 3, having displayed the glories of Christ in those opening chapters, he said in verse 8 of chapter 3, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Is this you today? And if it is you today, press on. Follow the King. Follow Christ from here until glory. He's not on the cross today because on the third day he rose again just as he said and he ascended up into heaven where he rules and reigns and is waiting to return for the appointed hour. Follow him. He's victorious already. He alone has the words of eternal life. Where else can you go? Follow Christ. Behold, the one pearl of great price. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But let us consider also the merchant in this parable. And as you consider the merchant, the scripture says the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant seeking goodly pearls. Three applications from this merchant to apply the perfection of Christ to us. The first is this that the merchant did not merely draw near to the pearl, but the merchant obtained the pearl. The merchant did not merely draw near to the pearl, but he obtained the pearl. Consider a man today, someone who's looking for goodly pearls. He wants treasure, and he sees the one pearl of great price, and he, he likes looking at it very much. He admires it, examines it, ponders it, loves hearing others talk about it, but he never takes it for his own. Maybe that man is coming to this church today. Maybe that man's going into another church today and loves being there, but has never taken Christ for his own. Some of the greatest words of encouragement in spreading the gospel are spoken by Jesus they're also the most sobering words. When a scribe came to Jesus long ago asking him the greatest commandment, he heard Christ's response and the scribe agreed with the answer and Jesus responded to the scribe and he said, you are not far from the kingdom of God. There was a similar exchange between Paul and King Agrippa at the end of Acts. Some of you may remember that. And as Paul was preaching the word, King Agrippa realizes that it's having an effect on him, and he says, you've, you've almost persuaded me to be a Christian. Not far from the kingdom. Almost persuaded me to be a Christian. On, on the one hand, these words by the scribe and King Agrippa, they give us great encouragement that the word is, is heard and it has an effect, but notice something about the merchant in our parable today. The, the merchant... He's different than the scribe in King Agrippa. He didn't come near to the pearl. He didn't just look at it and go on his way. He didn't say, I'm almost going to buy it. The kingdom of heaven is not made up of people 
to admire and look at, but don't obtain. It's made up of merchants who, on considering the perfection of the origin and attributes of the king of glory, they take hold of him. They sell all and they buy. They make him their own by faith. Jesus said, I am the door. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. On that great day of glory, when the door is shut, as Matthew 25 refers to it, people next to the door are not saved. People standing outside, pondering, gazing upon the door, they're not saved. It's those that go into the door, that go into the marriage supper of the Lamb, that are washed with the blood of the Lamb, They are the ones who will be saved. You must go in. You must sell all, forsake all, and obtain Christ. Consider consider the living water and the bread of life. Did Jesus ever say, whoever holds the water, whoever touches the bread, they shall have everlasting life? Absolutely not. Drink of the living water and you'll never thirst again. Eat of the bread of life and you'll never hunger again. We must partake of him whom we look at and gaze at in the word. We must believe on him who has presented himself to us as the king of glory, for he surely is. The kingdom of heaven is made up of those merchants who have obtained Christ, who went and sold all that they had and bought it. The Christian has gained Christ only by the grace of God alone. He has been presented with the gospel. He has heard that call of the gospel. Repent and believe. And he hasn't said, well, what if I almost do it? He repents, believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, and leaves that place born again with eternal life, with everlasting glory in front of him. Don't gaze anymore if that describes you. Obtain the pearl of great price. The second application of the merchant then today is this. The merchant did not bid for the pearl. The merchant bought for the pearl. Bought the pearl. The merchant did not bid for the pearl. The merchant bought the pearl. Consider another man. A man who saw the pearl, examined its origin and perfection, and finally said, I see the value. I'll give up 90% to obtain him. Long ago, a man tried to do just that. There was a rich man that came to Jesus and, and he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I've kept all your commandments from my youth until now. Jesus, look how good I am. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus answered him, sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and follow me. Wow. Eternal life presented to him. All he had to do was give up all he had, follow Jesus, and he'd live forever. But was that man saved that day? Or did he walk away in great sadness because he came to Christ bidding for him? I won't give up all, but I'll I'll give up almost everything. He bid for Christ, and he walked away empty-handed. The merchant in the kingdom of heaven never even considers bidding. The Christian sells all and obtains the great treasure. The disciples at once, the scripture says, left their nets and followed him. The Lord here is not saying, put yourself into poverty and you will have salvation. That's not what he's saying. But he is at at least saying, count everything you have as dung that you might follow him. He is at least saying, 
count him to be greater than wife, child, loved one, friend, wealth, any other thing. Let none of it stand in your way. Do not lose Christ by worshiping another thing in his place. Whatever sin, let it not stand in your way anymore. Put it away and follow the Lord. Jesus said, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Many, many are coming face to face with Christ in his word today, not just here, but around the world even. And they're thinking about things like this. Well, do I have to keep all of the commandments? What about that tough one in Exodus 20? Can I worship God in many different ways that I find very fun and entertaining, or do I have to worship him in, in his way? Can I, can I pursue some worldly lusts and still follow Christ, or do I really have to give up everything? They're playing a bidding war in their mind right now. Friends, the Christian in the kingdom, the merchant here, he finds in Christ Jesus that there is nothing else in comparison. That he is the all in all. That he is everything to be desired. And there's nothing to be desired above him. And so if we ask those questions of ourselves, it's the spirit of unbelief. Can I, can I retain this that he forbids and still have them? That's the spirit of unbelief. Cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Help me to follow you perfectly, steadfastly. Help me to surrender myself completely to your will and to rejoice in doing it. Christ shares his glory with no one else. He will not be bid for. Temptations will come, yes, but they are our enemy. The Christian hates and forsakes all those things that would lead him from God, and he presses into that kingdom, holding on to Christ as Savior, looking unto him, the author of his salvation. Do not bid for the pearl. Buy. Give up all is what that means, and follow him. The one final application that we'll make on the merchant today is that the merchant found a pearl of great objective value, or we might say of great intrinsic value. It's a common thing today to hear someone make judgments of fact based on their subjective feelings. How often it's done with the scripture. People look at the scripture and they say, well, it doesn't mean that to me. I don't believe what it says there in Corinthians because I believe something else. So often people approach the scripture in that way, especially in this generation. It's rarely received as it truly is the word of God. But it's received as a book that people can do whatever they want with. And sadly, in that following in that way of the wicked one, many have found their way to destruction. The pearl of great price, even Christ Jesus, is considered the same way by many. They value him according to their own thoughts. And the merchant, when he came upon this one pearl of great price, he saw this about that pearl that in Jesus Christ is objective, intrinsic value. So that the world may hate it, the world may deny it, the world may ridicule it, the world may mock it, and the pearl is still the one pearl of greatest price. The poor treatment of Christ in his scripture does not change what the scripture is, the very word of God. The world may despise the Bible. They may burn it and abuse it. And yet in the scripture... The word, the way, the one of eternal life is presented to us today. We must see that in Christ is objective, intrinsic value. 
The value was not derived from what he felt. Jesus did not say, if you have found a pearl that you feel to be of great price. It says that he found the one pearl of great price, and he bought it. The value was an objective reality. The value was intrinsic. Because the pearl was what it was, the value was very great. You see, it had nothing to do with the merchant, did it? The pearl was valuable on its own. And then we can say this, because Christ is who he is, the value of knowing Christ is very great. It's all because of him. It's not because of what I think today about Christ. You ought not to believe on Christ Jesus today for your salvation because I think he's very great. You ought to believe on Jesus Christ alone for salvation today because he is very great. In and of himself he is great, glorious, and able to save. That's why you ought to believe in him because his value is all his own. Isaiah said this, Who is a God like our God? There is no God. I know not any. God is the Lord and there is none else. He is a just God and a Savior and there is none beside him. Jesus Christ, the one pearl of great price whom the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments bear witness is of great value, the greatest value, eternal value, in and of himself. He is perfect in his origin, perfect in his attributes, And the one who receives him today by faith, the one who received him a long time ago by faith, has eternal life. With such a Savior as this Savior, may we not say with the hymn writer, hence all fears and sadness. For the Lord of gladness, Jesus, enters in. Those who love the Father, though the storms may gather, still have peace within. Yea, whate'er I here must bear, thou art still my purest pleasure. Jesus, priceless treasure. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord our God, we marvel at your glory, your grace, and your goodness to us, fallen men and women, that the King of glory would enter into his creation to shed his blood and die. It's a thing altogether too great for us in our feeble minds. But oh, how we glory in the Lord, believe in you, and give thanks for such a great gift. May we who have received the pearl of great price worship and glorify God forever and ever. And if any has not received the pearl of great price, may this day, by grace alone, through faith alone, may they receive Christ, who alone is our salvation and found in the scriptures alone, all that God the Father might receive all the glory in heaven and earth, now and forevermore. Amen.